For everything you want to know about real estate, it's time to take action. Schedule today. Ron and Don sit down.com is the way. Thanks for listening, you guys. I realize it's not easy. Charlie the dog and I have to listen to these two jokers every day. Hey, you guys. What's going on? It's episode number 171 of the Ron and Don Show. Before we get rolling, our thanks to everybody for going to ronanddonsitdown.com, sitting down with us virtually, and then I'm going to do this tomorrow. I'm going to jump in the car, headed to Normandy Park, going to see one of our listeners, now one of our clients, and we're going to meet up with John the Inspector, do some inspecting, and get ready to bring this amazing home to market. We're also doing that in places like Queen Anne. We're doing that on the east side right now. And congratulations to our buyers and sellers this week, Ron, because we sold one in Duval. That thing is sold. Over. We also just sold one in Everett. Well, that's pending. And on top of that, yeah, we just landed a really cool place on Mercer Island for the lease. So we are pumped out of our mind and everybody started with a sit down, right? You can go to ronadonsitdown.com. You can see the success stories of other people. You can also email me for a free Ronadon book, whether it's buyer or seller. In fact, my sister uh, said, I have some friends that want to buy. Can you send it to me? I said, absolutely. It's, it's free of charge. Email me. I'll get that sent out to you. It gets you started, gets you thinking. And I think most people that I've got feedback with is like, wow, this is a bigger process than I thought. Uh, It's not like going to the mall and picking out a pair of shoes. Buying a house or selling a house involves a lot of steps. And so that's what Run It On Sit Down does is it gets you started in the right direction. Yeah, I did something this morning, and I'm sure a lot of you guys are doing this if you're in Washington State like we are. I got my ballot. I sat down. I talked through it. Actually, with my son, it was kind of a learning experience. Grabbed a cup of coffee, started filling it out. And I started thinking about, am I riding with Biden or I'm a Trumper 2020? I want to talk about riding with Biden and being a Trumper and what it means to vote and why some people, and I actually believe this for a long time, that my vote didn't count. Before we get to that, we're also going to talk about black police officers officers around the country and they are stepping away from some of their unions and saying hey these unions that endorse the president I can't endorse them. Before we get to that, though, let's get to this. An incredible article, you guys, in the Seattle Times. A bunch of articles in the Seattle Times. Amazon coming out with a new electric van. Or they're not coming out. They're actually buying 100,000 electric vans. We're going to see these all over the Northwest, all over the country, all over the world. Also, I just talked to Greg, uh, a new friend of mine at an open house over in Bellevue. He works for Amazon. He said internally they expect over 100,000 new employees over the next couple Couple of years, and he expects a lot of them to land on the east side. As an Amazon employee and as someone that owns real estate on the east side, he was pumped. Boeing coming out today and saying, hey, this big headquarters we have may not need it. So what we're going to do, we're going to work from home or other places in the world because you know what? We have the money. We can do this. And really working from home when you're a Boeing exec, it probably means you're working from somewhere in the Bahamas in one of your three homes. Speaking of free homes, another article in the paper saying, hey, during the pandemic, d- pandemic, if you own three homes, chances are you might be selling one of those homes. As a result of that, luxury real estate skyrocketing right now in places like Medina, skyrocketing right now in places like 
like northern Seattle skyrocketing right now in places north and south of us where it's not skyrocketing though is when we get in these micro markets ron we're seeing this we we have a front row seat if people are living in tight condominiums right now in places where they're used to amenities that real estate is stalling how come how come we see luxury anything over two million just popping it's up by 56 percent and yet when we look in some of these micro markets these microclimates in these condos that are under four hundred and sixteen thousand dollars, they're suffering a little bit right now i actually really hate the way that the the seattle times frame stories up like this because it does a disservice to everybody in the market when you see that headline because i actually went in when i read that uh, i went in because we have we're members of the multiple listing service i went in and i searched for this and so when you think about how many houses there are and there are people there are in seattle it's a lot of people millions of people right and so when you think about okay um how many houses does this mean so if i think two million plus that was the number they said it's gonna surge by 54 percent or 36 whatever it said so i went in there and i was like okay and i'm not a statistician so if you're a statistician reach out to me and correct me if i'm wrong here if i i went all so all of the houses two million plus for the last six months what do you how many think how many do you think that is it's only 1,500 houses. So if you see it, it doesn't take that many purchases to see a percentage surge. So if I only have 1,500 people, let, let's just let's back it down to 1,000. If I only have 1,000 people and I'm going to do a surge uh, of 30%, that's not a lot of people. If I do uh, uh, you know, a couple hundred, I'm surged. All right, now if I have 10,000 people and I want to surge 30%, that's a lot more actual people. And so I know that percentages and fractions and all this stuff that people are, you know, maybe their eyes are glazing over. But to surge a, a percentage uh, of $2 million plus only takes a few houses to see a surge. And so why is that? Well, money is cheap right now. And so if I do really well and I'm a multimillionaire and I've been eyeballing a, a second house or maybe a, a bigger house or whatever fill in the blank is, and you're getting an interest rate that's just incredible, yeah, maybe you're set up to buy something right now. So we take a handful of those, comparatively speaking, and you see that number surge. And so I think it's a disservice to sort of fly that flag in the Seattle Times as if it's representative of this giant number of people. It's not. 1,500 homes in a, in, a, in a Pacific Northwest is not a lot of homes. Yes, it represents a big top dollar number. I'll give you that. It's a lot of money flying around, but it's not a lot of people. And so we are blessed to have multiple Fortune 5 companies, Amazon, Microsoft, Boeing, as you said, Costco, uh, F5, like we go on and on, uh, Starbucks with the number of big time companies that live here. So yeah, if, if you're an, an executive at one of these companies and you're going to buy a $2 million house, it, it, I, I hate to say it because a lot of people, that just seems like an astronomical amount of money. That's not a tremendous amount of money for those people. Um, if you're making three hundred, four hundred, five hundred thousand dollars a year, which again, many executives make multiple times more of that, a two million dollar house uh, is not a tremendous deal. So fifteen hundred homes total. The bigger story to me is this shift that you talked about, and I want to get your take on it. 
of all of this office space, millions of square feet of office space, millions of square feet of retail space that is now seemingly obsolete, millions of square feet of restaurant space. What is going to happen to all this? Um, and right now, it's not impacted Seattle yet in the same way it maybe has impacted in New York City or the same way that's impacted uh, some other large uh, cities around America that are maybe a little configured differently or more dense. It is coming, though. So when Boeing says we're going to go from 45 million square feet of office space to maybe 20 million square feet, if they get rid of that thing that you just mentioned, you're, down, you're, you're cutting your office square footage in half. When Amazon goes from could not they could not get enough uh, office square footage just you know two or three years ago to now saying yeah we know we have a whole building that we let go REI built from the ground from the dirt up a brand new sparkling HQ and then when it was done and they were ready to move in like ah on second thought we're out and they sold it to Facebook. Do you realize how big of a deal that is for a corporation the size of REI to hire the architects, to tell all their workers, hey, wait till we move into the new space. Everybody's touring it. Everybody's going to pick out where their office is going to be. Everyone's picking out finishes and carpet and new desks, and they're bringing in designers. And like, it's a big deal to build an, an HQ for a company. And then just to sell it before you set foot inside, that is a huge sea change. I have some friends that I've known for decades that are in uh, kind of in this design space for corporations, and it's, it's changing rapidly. That is going to be the storyline. I think more than 1,500 folks buying luxury houses. What do you think? Well, I think uh, there's a great little book, and it's not really a book. It's not a guide. It's a pamphlet, and you should pick this pamphlet up, and it's called Who Moved My Cheese? And it's a very, very simple book with a very powerful message. And we have to look at this and wonder, okay, who moved the cheese? Did the cheese move? And if the cheese is moving, I got to move with it. We hear about the pivot, the word pivot all the time. That's what some of these companies are doing. And then to Donald Trump's credit, when he was on with Savannah Guthrie the other night, uh, and she asked him a couple questions about his signaling. And we see him signal a lot. We see him when it comes to race baiting, he signals. But also when it comes to China... Uh, he signals. And some of the signaling that he's good is that he does well is actually good for the United States. Not the racist crap that he does. Uh, but when he's negotiating, he finally looked at Savannah Guthrie because she said, hey, you said this, but you contradicted yourself and the world is watching. And he's like, hey, Savannah, have you ever heard of negotiations? That's what a lot of these companies are doing. That's what Boeing's doing. That's what Amazon's doing. Amazon is never going to get screwed down by Seattle ever again when it comes to the, he the head tax. They're not going to get screwed down by the city council. They're not going to do it. And I tell you who the losers are, who the losers are, is when you go to the Bellevue, Bellevue's Commons, my son, or not the Bellevue Commons, I don't know what the Bellevue Commons looks like. We were at a, a common space that is used in Ballard, and I shared this with you. It's a skate park. And it's also a place where I would go with my son when he's a little baby and it's a spray park. So you could skate and you could spray. Uh, there has to be, there has to be a hundred tents in that park. There has to be. There has to be over 100 people that are now living in that park. Not just tents. They're building structures. They're building structures. They're getting lumber, which is now three times what it used to be, yeah. and, and building permanent structures. Some of them are yeah. pouring foundations. Yeah. So what you see is you have some of these big companies that aren't signaling. They're serious. 
They're looking at the lack of policing, the lack of police officers, the defunding of the police, a city council that's very young that has no clue what they're doing. A mayor says it's a summer of love, and now it's probably the winter of her firing. She can't seem to get it figured out. What is she signaling? What's her message? And if you're a big business owner here and you control big buildings and big properties, this is unsettling to you because your workforce doesn't want to live here. They don't want to live in a downtown where there are no amenities. They don't want to live in a downtown where they, because the murder rate now, right now in, in Seattle is up. And is the, I'll say it the way that President Trump would say it. It's, it's, it's up bigly. It is up bigly right now in downtown Seattle. So we see that in like the condo market in downtown Seattle. Just plant some flowers. Don't sell that thing because you're not going to be able to sell it right now. There are realtors that are walking away from those deals. We'll see people return at some point, but they will return when what we see in Ballard in that park, when that's figured out. When the kids can go back to the park and people are going to come back to the city and they're going to come back and they're going to buy those condos and buy those homes. But right now it is every man for himself and that's why you and I had a property out in Duval. It was in the sixes. It sold this week. Nine people lined up to buy it because it has a huge yard and it has four rooms and people are going to go in there. They're going to set up their tech business and they're going to stay away from others right now during COVID-19. So the mayor, the city council here in Seattle, This is an award-winning city. It looks amazing on Monday Night Football. But they better get it figured out because nobody is talking about what's happening in the parks, what's happening in the play spaces, those common spaces, and people are sick and tired of it. And big businesses are signaling right now it's not just about taxation. It's about their fact that their workforce doesn't want to live here and they're willing to drive across the 520 or the I-90 permanently and go to a place like Bellevue where they feel like there's law and order, where they feel like they're not going to get taxed out, where they feel like their real estate is not going to get beat up, and where they feel if someone tries to beat them up, that a cop is actually going to show up when they call 911. It's the Ron and Don Show. We are live from the Les Schwab studio. Speaking of cops, we're going to come back. We need to listen right now to black police officers that are saying, hey, these unions, you want to endorse the president? We're going to step back here. Also, when it comes to voting, let's talk about the fact. Does your vote count? Everybody says, of course it counts. Sometimes it doesn't. And I'll tell you why on the other side of this. Hey, you guys, listen up. This is why we love Les Schwab and we appreciate so much that they sponsor the Ron and Don Show because they are so involved in the community. In fact, right now, Les Schwab Tire Centers, uh, Aramark, and Food Lifeline, they're all working together. It's a big team, you guys, because they want to drive out hunger this holiday season. And everybody's asking themselves this time of year, hey, there's a lot of folks out there that need my help, but how do I jump in, Ron, and how do I help? Yeah, just drop off a non-perishable food donation at any Western Washington Les Schwab Tire Center, or you can just pull into the parking lot and a Les Schwab crew member will come out and take your donation. You can also donate online at leschwab.com slash Ron and Don. That's LesSchwab.com forward slash Ron and Don. Every donation helps stock the shelves of Food Lifeline programs in your communities. Join Les Schwab Tire Centers, Aramark, and Food Lifeline for the Drive Out Hunger Food Drive. It's happening now. If you're downsizing, upsizing, or right-sizing, Ron and Don can help you buy, sell, or invest in real estate. It all starts with a Ron and Don sit-down. Started out right away with Don helping us look at the options like here are different ways you can approach the sale of this house i bought and sold a lot of real estate over my life dawn's listening skills were um superior dawn came with ron he was incredibly well prepared 
they were just really impressive. And the things that they outlined that they were, were going to provide, their services, were it just made it easy. It was a laydown. And so we put it on the market on Saturday. There was a lot of interest. They made an offer on the on the offer date for over asking price. We did amazing. It was the best case scenario. We couldn't have done better. It couldn't have been a better experience. When we first sat down, they showed me what property was selling for in my neighborhood. They had several suggestions on you know, when we should go on the market, what we needed to do to get ready to go on the market. I, I couldn't be happier with the experience we had. We all celebrated. It felt like a team victory. <laughs> We were all just jumping up and down. They were passionate, and they, they were just honest and straightforward, and uh, no, everything's great. Uh, yeah, I definitely would recommend it. We had multiple offers, $50,000 more than the asking price. He had no contingencies, so I jumped on that one. I can't wait to do another deal with them. It was great. It was awesome. When you're ready to sit down with Ron and Don and start your real estate journey, schedule your time with the guys at ronanddonsitdown.com. You're listening to The Ron and Don Show on the Ron and Don Radio Network. All right, you guys, welcome back to episode 171. And don't forget, Ron and Don, we have written some pretty cool books for you guys. If you're buying or selling, we got a brand new ebook for everyone, don't we? We do. Just go to uh, ronanddonsitdown.com. You can reach out to me directly, ron at windermere.com, and I can send you that, whether you're a buyer or a seller. It's a great way uh, for you to just get in the right mindset and know, hey, am I ready to start this process? Yeah. So ronanddonsitdown.com. We can send you that ebook. You can do your homework, and then we can jump online together virtually. And a lot of times people don't know the questions to ask us. This will begin helping form those questions that you want to ask uh, before you decide to buy, sell, or invest. Let's talk about black police officers right now walking away from unions or union endorsements. What's going on here? So um, Donald Trump has has um, said multiple times, and he's correct on this, that many police unions have endorsed him. And so what that means, if you're not involved with unions or you're not from a union family, there's a lot of internal pressure when your union endorses a political candidate. And so especially in cities like Chicago, uh, cities in the Midwest, uh, you sort of had to go along or there's a lot of peer pressure for you to go along and to vote for the political candidate that your union has sort of put the, the, the crown on. Yeah, my dad was in the Midwest and we're seeing a lot of pressure right now from unions in the Midwest, because a lot of people think that's where this election will be settled. In the upper Midwest, I'm from the upper Midwest. I'm from a place called Gurney, Waukegan, Wakanda. It is north of Chicago. It's Antioch. Remember Antioch a few months ago, uh, where we saw the Black Lives Matter spill into the streets, and we saw people shot and killed as a result of that. So the interesting thing about what we see happening right now with those unions my dad when he was a truck driver and also a fireman he crossed the picket line one time one time he crossed the picket line he tried to cross it in his truck and then he saw truck drivers that were drug out of those trucks and they were hit by two by with two by fours and he decided you know what i'm not going to get up today and it didn't happen to him but he saw it happen to others he said i'm not going to go drive a truck for dan ledusky and his 500 trucks out of waukegan illinois I'm going to go stand on the picket line because I don't want to get my drug out of my Mack truck and beat to 
And as a result of that, as a result of that, those Teamsters had a lot of play and a lot of push. We've seen some of that dissipate over the years, especially in places like Boeing. We've seen that union dissipate a little bit. But when it comes to police unions, and specifically when it comes to teachers' unions, these unions in some ways are stronger than they have ever been. And so Donald Trump is catering to these unions, and he's preaching a gospel of law and order, and he's uh, saying these unsubstantiated claims that uh, Joe Biden is anti-police police that he wants to defund the police that has been a rallying cries when you ask joe biden about that he says no i never said that and i don't believe that and yet he's been painted with this brush of he's going to defund police so a lot of police unions uh hundreds of police unions have said we endorse donald trump so now it's very interesting and this story specifically came out of philadelphia Black officers that have become increasingly more uh, and more minority officers over the years, especially in big departments, they've actively recruited here in Seattle. We've seen that active recruitment of minority officers. So, so, they, let, so let me get clear, because I don't think you said what you're trying to say. Are you saying there's more or less minority officers? in Over the years, there are the big departments are trying to recruit more officers. Okay, got it. And sure. so, but the, the leadership, the old guard is still usually in charge of the leadership usually in charge of the corner offices, usually in charge of the unions. The so command the, staff, that's the right. Command staff, yeah. The command staff and those in charge of the, in the unions. Rank, in the rank and file, we see minorities in the rank and file. They have said, we're endorsing Donald Trump as a union. Uh, the Philadelphia black officers have now held press conferences where some brave officers have broken ranks with their union and come out and said, not so fast. We do not feel like we're being heard. While we, some of us, want law and order and some of us may even you know rally behind the slogan of blue lives matter and we don't want to defund the police uh we believe in those things we cannot endorse donald trump and so we do not want to be under the same flag uh you're putting us in an untenable position Yes, we're police officers. Yes, we're police officers of color. Yes, we belong to this union and we are dues payers. But we think that this this president is someone that we don't want to endorse. And so that to me is very interesting for those officers. If you think about this uh, and what you just described with your dad, um, I don't think it's as blatant now in terms of violence, but the hazing is still there. So think about this. You're a black police officer in Philadelphia or Chicago or in the Midwest or Seattle or Seattle. Yeah. Your picture's on the front page of the paper where you just gave a press conference and you're either at the microphone or you're standing behind that person at the microphone and you're saying, we're not being listened to by our union, they're taking our dues money and they're making a claim that I can't agree with as a person of color. What's it going to be like your next shift? What's it going to be like when you have to go in uh, you know, to the morning meeting or you have to go into the locker room or you have to go on an assignment with someone that is very adamant about that position? Do they have your back? Um, do you feel like you're supported? If you have to make a call for backup uh, and that person knows who you are and what your stance is, is that backup coming in earnest? Or maybe do they take a couple minutes to do the backup? These are the types of thoughts that would be going through my mind. And so I guess I applaud these brave officers for standing up because that is a legitimate conflict. You've talked about it on this podcast, and I agree with you. Our president has displayed that he is a racist, if you just look at the, the evidence. 
And so if I'm a person of color and a police officer or a military member, it's like, how do I, how do I square that? How do I square that? Who is my allegiance to? Are you asking me to, to pledge my allegiance to politics over my own community? Like, is that what you're wanting me to do? Like, I, I don't think I would do that. I think I would, I would go with my community first, my family first, my friends first. And I think most people of color that become, that go into law enforcement that I know do it because they want to make a change. Yeah. This is, this is what's interesting. Two cops I had lunch with about this time last year. Both are my really good friends. One won't talk to me anymore. He's a white cop. Uh, he's been here locally with an agency for almost 35 years. I sat him down with a young black cop who's in his 20s. And they both love real estate and I love real estate. So we sat down a year ago and I said, hey, to my older white Irish cop friend, I said, would you help mentor? Because I have two black cops that I try to help mentor. I said, will you help mentor uh, this younger uh, black officer? And he said he would. Today, that white officer no longer talks to me because of the stance that I've taken on social justice, because I have talked about white privilege, will no longer talk to me, will not return my phone calls, will not have a discussion, won't do it, will not have a discussion. That particular black, and, and both these officers have been on the front lines of what's happened here in Seattle, what happened on I-5. When uh, you had someone get mowed down by a car. They've both been on the front lines. That young black officer is on the front lines of all of this. He's in his 20s. He has a family. Just had a baby. We've had him on the podcast before. He's a local coach. He's the one that told us about Cleveland. On and on and on. I don't know how that black officer is going to vote. But I will tell you. I will tell you that he is very uncomfortable, very uncomfortable with the way that a lot of things have been handled here by police unions, by command staffs. And I know that he doesn't feel heard. This is a perfect opportunity for all my white friends. You don't have to have an answer to this. We always think, and I always think I got to have an answer. What's the answer? This is what black people, and this is what my black police officer friend wants you to do. This is what he'd like you to do. Just say to him, you have my attention. I don't have the answers, but I'm listening. That's it. That's all I do for him right now. And I practice that over and over again before I go see him. And a lot of times when I do that, he will talk then to me for three hours. Our last talk, we stood in a park, we socially distanced, and we talked for three hours. That's what black people want. That's what black police officers want. That's what 13% of our population wants. They just want to be heard by you. But instead, you know what we do? We rush. Well, I don't agree with that. I don't agree with what these cops have done. I don't, I don't, you don't need to agree or disagree. You don't have to have the answers. Just listen. That's what I'm learning. Just listen. I've reached out to that other police officer. I, I miss his friend. We have been friends now for 10 years. And the fact that he will not call me back and have a conversation 
At this point, that's on him. I've taken my stand. I have done my research. And I know that I'm not perfect. And I know that all the stands that I've taken, especially when it comes to race in America and this particular president, I know they're controversial. But I didn't copy and paste something. I went and I did my work. And as a result of that, I lost a friend. And he's not the only friend that I've lost this year. But imagine what is it like for these black police officers inside these huge agencies with these very powerful unions? What's it like for them? What was it like for Carmen Best? She quit. She quit. That's what it was like. We will see you on the other side of this. Thanks for being a part of the Ron and Don Nation. Subscribe to the Nation News at ronanddonsitdown.com. A behind-the-scenes look at everything Ron and Don. All right, you guys, we're live from the Les Schwab Studios, episode 171. Don't forget our website is ronadonsitdown.com. We have those brand new books. You're a buyer or seller. Let's send you one. Uh, you can just write to Ron, ron at windermere.com, and we'll send that to you virtually. Okay, does that sound cool? And then when I come see you, I'll hand you one. Boom. How about that? Hey, before we uh, get out of here, I have something that I want to talk about voting. Uh, did you vote this week? How are you feeling about voting? I have not. I need to pick up my ballot. It's uh, I have a, a mailbox, so I'm going to go get that. And I, I'm excited to vote. I'm, I've been a longtime voter. I've voted ever since my, the first time I was available to vote. I, I rarely have, have ever missed a vote. I think there may have been one or one one time when we had moved from a different state and I wasn't registered properly. But yeah, I'm excited to vote. I know sometimes people get apathetic where you're like, oh, I'm in a blue state. It uh, doesn't matter what I do. Washington's going to go blue, and so I'm not going to vote. The thing I've learned this year that is incredibly important, judges matter. Uh, local sheriffs matter. Um, people that we, we look at on ballots uh, in these local races really matter. You even think about something that was you know front page of the paper this week of that $30 car tab thing that's been going back and forth forever and ever. Um, that came down to judges. And so that's a thing that really impacts uh, your pocketbook every year. Those things matter. So yeah, maybe the, the headline presidential race is getting the most... Um, the most ink, but like our senator, your congressman, all of those those roles matter a great deal. Yeah. I hear everybody throwing around amendments in the Constitution, and so I decided to just read the Constitution and all the amendments this morning. Wow. How was that? It's great. Uh, some of it I didn't understand, so I started to do a deep dive, and then my son was watching My Octopus Teacher on Netflix, so then I took a break, and I watched... The well, can I tell everybody what happens? The octopus? I shouldn't. No, I, I, I've seen the I've seen the trailer. I want to watch. Oh, you it. haven't watched? I it. haven't watched it. Don't spoiler alert it. <sighs> it looks- you know what? Everybody should take a break from all this from this political climate and sit down and watch the octopus teacher on Netflix. It's extraordinary, and it really it captured my son's love for science once again. And he's in the other room right now, uh, and he's playing video games because we're at Mr. Ron's. But we were just somewhere where he's reading books about octopuses uh, for the last two hours. And it creates a lot of great conversations, so check it out if you can. 
Anyway, I wrote something this morning after I read. Have, have you have you spent much time reading reading the Constitution? It not, can be not it, lately. It can be a little bit like reading the Bible. Right. Uh, you don't always understand it, but you know it's important. Is the way it kind of felt to me. Anyway, this is what I wrote after I read the Constitution and some memes this morning, and this is up on my Facebook page, and also uh, I'm going to put this up on Instagram, you guys, if you want to check it out. All right. I'm Don O'Neill 34. What are you on Instagram? I think I'm just Ron underscore Upshaw. Okay. Sounds cool. Here's some Sunday morning thoughts uh, by me, Don O'Neill. As I fill out uh, my ballot over coffee this this morning, and it was Sunday morning, I'm reminded that I'm one of those that hasn't always voted, you guys. I always ask myself, does my vote count? And I can actually argue both sides. No one's ever tried to suppress my vote, though. And what about other Americans in this great country? I always wonder what they think, too. I went back. I read the original Constitution this morning. You know what I found out? The original Constitution, along with the flag that we pledge allegiance to, it's kind of flawed. In fact, it didn't secure rights for a lot of people, for a lot of Americans. And that's why they had to go back and add amendments. The 15th, the 19th, the 26th. We do the same in real estate each and every week. We did three contracts this week. They weren't perfect, so you know what we do? Instead of ripping the contract up, we add amendments. And that's what we've done here in the United States. But in adding those amendments in real estate, you better understand those contracts and those amendments. And I think the same too. If I'm going to be a voter and an educated voter, I better understand the contract, which is the Constitution. And I also better understand the amendments, and specifically the 15th, the 19th, and the 26th. Hey, it's been a long, painful, violent, at times bloody road to secure these three amendments. Just ask Rosa Parks, JFK, and his brother. Ask Dr. King, and ask all the young boys that died on the beaches of Normandy. Now watch me tie all them together. It's 1817 right? 1870, actually. The 15th Amendment gave rights to African Americans, but the South, they found a loophole, and they suppressed the right to vote because that's what the 15th did. It's still very suppressed, in my opinion, and I noticed that when I lived in the South. There's still a lot of people that are voiceless, and that's one of the reasons they are in our streets during a pandemic, They don't see an alternative. This is desperation. This is alienation. This is a lot of pain that I'm watching. And that's why Dr. King took that bloody bridge in Selma, not once, not twice, you guys, but three times. He felt and witnessed the same desperation as America began to spin out of control during Vietnam. This is the history repeating itself because we didn't get it right the first time. Then, 1920, after years of suffering, women would be given the right to vote by white male dominated, yeah, by that Congress. And you know what? That didn't work either because local state laws suppress them. They suppress women along with the black vote and the Native American vote and other minorities. So JFK was elected. He was going to fix this, but then he got shot. So a tall, lanky Texan who many thought was a closet racist, he finished what JFK was supposed to do. He signed the Voting Rights Act of 1965 to provide protections for women, for blacks, for Native Americans, and other minorities. And that's when white male politicians, they started cracking and they started packing. What is that? It's called gerrymandering. And it gives the advantage to the person in political office. It gives them the power. While they're in office, they get to redraw the election lines. And you guys, it's still going on today. It is in full effect today. It's why so many people feel, and they might be right, that their vote doesn't count. Then look at the 26th Amendment, the final one here, you guys, those young boys 
who stormed the beaches of Normandy during World War II. They could take a bullet and they could die on foreign soil for you and me, but they couldn't vote. That's right. The 26th Amendment in 1971 gave younger people the right to vote. So if you can die for your country at 18, you should be able to say, have a say in who the commander in chief is going to be. And when bullets fly and young soldiers die, hey, you should let them vote. So if you pledge allegiance, like I was taught to do when I was a boy, yeah, you pledge allegiance to a flag and to a constitution. You know what? Remember that this constitution needed to be changed. It needed to be amended because everybody didn't feel represented. That's why some Americans kneel when they see that flag. They're asking for our help. They're not being disrespectful. Instead of listening, we tell them, and I wrote the word, we tell them the S word that they've heard their whole entire life. They are worn out, you guys. They have heard this generationally. And I'm learning to shut up and listen. And that is not natural for me. So I am learning. Well, I don't pledge allegiance to flags and documents anymore. I too pledge an allegiance to you, my fellow Americans and all world citizens. I'm going to fill this ballot out with my son watching and participating this morning. We will do so remembering the great Americans that have fought before us, whether on the beaches of Normandy or on the bridges of Mississippi. I am grateful for the privilege to let my freedom ring this morning. And I pledge allegiance to you to do my best to elevate those of you that don't feel heard, you don't feel loved, you don't feel represented because your freedom deserves to ring too. I'm committed to that. So whether you're riding with Biden or you're a Trumper 2020, I love and respect you this morning and I just wanted you to know that. He's wrong. I'm done. You keep your head up. You keep your shoulders back. You keep voting. And we'll see you next time for episode 172 only on the Ron Don Radio Network. Hey, it's G-Force O'Neill. Thanks for listening to my dad and his boyhood friend, Mr. Ron. Oh,